Hey everyone, this is the Everyday Leader Podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today I speak with Chris Rumenda from Kenya. He currently serves as the general manager of the Shega Marketplace, an e-commerce platform in Ethiopia run by Kafia Financial Technology. Prior to moving to Ethiopia, Chris worked at Jumia Kenya for over five years, rapidly rising within the company and taking on different roles, including as head of Marketplace and head of Jumia University. Chris defines himself as a builder and a creator, and he picks ideas and people with huge potential and helps them grow. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the Everyday Leader Podcast. Great to have you on and really looking forward to diving into your leadership experience. I know you've had a rapid rise across uh, several different organizations uh, in East Africa. So welcome. Thank you, Chris, for having me. For me, this is a great opportunity to share my experience. I usually start by asking uh, my guests to share their leadership origin story. So do you have uh, an example or a story to tell us where maybe the first time you managed a team or took on a project leadership role? And what, what was that like? And did you feel prepared? Yeah, so I think a very early leadership experience all, all through my career. So my first, uh, my first job, I was in charge of a whole of operations for a knitwear company, so dealing with a lot of people. So in this role, I was quite responsible for almost everything from HR, operations, finance, and everything. And like, it kind of shaped the type of leader that I was going to be in future. It taught me a lot of ownership and uh, allowed me to actually grow. So when I joined the Jumia at a very, I joined Jumia as an intern in early 2014, and as a part of, uh, we have a team of six people where we were responsible for ensuring that all orders are delivered to customers on time. So with this, I started showing a lot of initiative, like uh, for most of the team, because I took I took the job as mine because one of my mentors told me for you to be successful, you must always take your job as if it belongs to you, like as if it's your own business. So I took that initiative. And with that, when my first uh, manager left to go back to England, I was given the opportunity to be the team leader for, for the same team that I was actually working on. And this kind of shaped who I was in future. That's a great anecdote about this this idea of needing to change how you look at the world when you uh, become part of a team in a professional environment and needing to take things seriously and, and take ownership of the results and the resources that you're overseeing. Is there is there something that you remember needing to really uh, take time to think about and change in that regard? Like certain behaviors that you used to do before uh, the working world and before you were in some of these uh, formal roles that you had to kind of cut out or, or look at differently? Yeah, so like, so immediately I became like a, a team leader. It was, it had to take a lot of mental shift because imagine I was taking a team whereby all of us were colleagues. We have been friends for for a long time, I, I knew a lot of personal stuff about each each of the of the people that we, I was actually managing, and it it made most of my decisions and anything a little bit biased. So at that particular point, I had to know how to separate, like uh, how do I separate friendship 
and leadership uh, when I start managing the same people. Uh, it took a lot of time and consideration, but af after a while, I was able to find the gap. And most of my most of the people that were reporting to me were actually my friends, but they were able to differentiate Chris, the leader, and Chris, the friend, and also it get to a point where by Chris, the leader, and the friend are the same person, and they're able to to match them. So it, it needed a lot of mind shift, but I was able to do that. So that was a lot of change for me. That's so true. I think we we can all find times when uh, we you know make personal friendships with individuals that maybe not at first you're not managing them, but you then you know graduate into these different team leadership roles, and then there's just the concerns around bias because maybe you're not friends with everyone on your team, but only some. So that's definitely uh, an issue uh, that a lot of people have to to grapple with. Glad to hear that you found a way to do so. Uh, was there maybe an example of an uncomfortable moment of how you had to really grapple with that issue early on or even later in your career? So we're looking at, uh, it was one of my biggest lessons in terms of performance, uh, performance management. So doing a lot of performance reviews for the team and then the team is actually looking at how close you relate with the people that you started working with earlier and the new people that actually have joined the team. So at that particular point, uh, you'll, you'll find cases whereby, like you say, you're, you're, Chris, you're favoring this more than favoring this. And then this person, so I had to specifically work on uh, documentation in terms of performance management and start collecting a lot of evidence and talking to people early in terms of giving feedback. Like I said, giving feedback early when someone does something wrong or something right, I give them them feedback early so that when we get to a stage of performance performance reviews, they actually understand where everything is coming from. And then from there, the issue of favoritism was able to go out of the window. That's great. So you made sure that you documented uh, details very carefully uh, in, in, in a way to also make sure uh, you were not uh, favoriting um, anyone in particular. Um, yeah, I can, I can tell you, like, I can give an example. I had uh, one, one, one employee was always missing from work. Like, she will come in early after 20 minutes, she disappears. You cannot find that. Like, just, I had to be very meticulous. Like, as soon as she stands up, I document the time as soon as she comes back i document the time and then after the whole day i'll meet her and tell her today you have not been at work for for this number of hours what was happening what did happen etc etc so with this at the end of the day it made it made it easier for for me to actually manage that employee because the first time that i had mentioned the same issue to her it was like but other people also live and you only come and ask me so but at least with the documentation of this and giving immediate feedback instead of waiting for a long team period of time uh, helped me to actually solve this because the feedback the, the feedback was still fresh to the person like whatever was happening was still fresh in their mind so it was very easy for me great so you uh, joined jumia was that uh, your first job out of university so i can say like my first uh, corporate job out of university i can say that but uh, mostly during my university breaks I used to work at cyber cafes and that's what gave me the like uh, the interest in working with any online business and technology so during the holidays i used to work for cyber cafes immediately after campus i did that and then after that i worked for another one year at a knitwear company making school sweaters in uh, in western kenya so making school uniforms and sweater and i can say i think most of my management skills and leadership came from that experience because i had to do everything end to end and 
that's where I really learned a lot about managing complex projects, ETC, and then now Jumia was able to scale me up. There's some staff who join and they, they expect that they will also grow alongside the company, but that's not always the case. There's only some people who are able to uh, grow uh, with the same pace as the company because they're able to rapidly uh, grow themselves and learn new skills and fit within various new structures as they evolve. Um, so you mentioned that that the job that you had before you joined Jumia had kind of prepared you for that. Uh, in what ways did you kind of hit the ground running at Jumia that gave you that ability to keep up with the pace and continue to grow into new roles? Okay, so like uh, I'll say that like uh, there, there are really two factors that actually, I can say three factors that actually helped, helped me to to actually grow at Jumia. And one of them is what I had actually said before, like I took a lot of ownership, like I assumed that Jumia was my company, like I understood the vision of where Jumia was going, like I knew this is something that uh, I am going to do long term. And previously, just before that, uh, between the jobs, I had actually tarmacked a lot. I was applying around 20 jobs per day. So getting an opportunity to actually work after that, I took it with both hands and I was ready to actually get get, get started. So uh, that's how I actually started at Jumia. So there was a lot of ownership. And this ownership uh, gave me the opportunity of uh, meeting uh, like when I'll get a chance to meet the CEO or anyone in a leadership position, I'll be very honest with them. Like, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing right. You need to improve on this and this. And uh, that that uh, gave, like they felt that I was part of the company and it allowed me to, to actually grow because I'll give very honest feedback of what was working well, what was not working well. Like I can give an example at that time, uh, like we, could, we used to say like Jumia was too white. Like a lot of the processes, the routines, the marketing was not adapted to the Kenyan market. And I was among the first people who was able to, to change that. Like the type of sellers that were being onboarded on Jumia at that particular time were the big brands and everything. And then I was able to show them that uh, this, like uh, we can grow with small vendors. Like uh, if we just be able to fix some of the problems that they have, it's easy for us to grow with those vendors. So that ownership helped me actually grow. That was one part. The second part was uh, patience. So as I told you, like uh, when I was working in, in the knitwear company, I used to do everything. Like I could do up to logistics. I'll be carrying sacks of sweaters across the across the town with my suit and other things. Like I wake up very early in the morning, sleep for very few hours. So it taught me a lot of a lot of patience. And that Jumia, this what came in handy because I can tell you, like there was a period uh, between twenties between 2015 and 16 uh there wasn't a lot of growth but there was a lot of work and everyone was telling me chris you're being you're being overworked and everything you should quit you should ask for more money you should do this but i was quite patient i i worked on that i was very clear on my vision i had a very clear charted career plan when i talked to to the to the ceo at that particular time there was a clear current plan that I, I was even my promise was to be a CEO in five years and it was very clear and everyone was everyone knew what Chris wanted to be in future so I'll say ownership patience and lastly honesty because at that particular point uh, like Jumia did not have a lot of systems uh, to take care of things I was very diligent I was very honest with the things that I was dealing with so those are some of the things that actually helped me grow within my my first years at Jumia.
So you started as a buying operations associate, then grew into a buying operations manager, vendor performance manager, then head of operations uh, for experience and success, then into head of marketplace for two years, and then also took on uh, a role later as head of Jumia University vendor engagement and communication. So that is quite a, a journey and progression. And I'm wondering when you when you think back, um, obviously, you know, we all have decisions that we make uh, and, and uh, some of those are uh, proactive based on our own prerogative. Others are in reaction to how the company and reality is. Is there anything you would have changed about how you grew within the company? Not a lot. I think uh, for me, it was uh, like uh, I liked the speed that I actually, I actually grew, grew, grew at Jumia. The only change for me is uh, it got to a point whereby the, uh, the company has different stages of, of growth. And for me, like uh, my passion is building. Like I like I like the big jumps. I like the big transformation. I like things moving from zero to fifty percent to a hundred. I don't like two uh, percent changes, one percent, hundred etc. Like those things do not excite me anymore. So if you're looking back at Jumia, like uh, I like my initial growth, but uh, it got to a point where the company has grown to a certain level. Uh, it kind of becomes routine. The impact might be big because of the economies of scale, but it kind of becomes routine. You know exactly what you're going to do when you go to work the next day. And for me, that does not excite me anymore. What excites me is a big impact, big, big change. So I have no, I have nothing that I will have actually changed at Jumia. It was just the different stages at the company. It's great to recognize uh, what type of results that you want to be a part of. Uh, and what motivates you. Uh, and so you did move on to a new company after your time at Jumia in Kenya and are now with uh, Kafiya Financial Technology in uh, Addis, uh, in Ethiopia. So tell us more about um, what motivated you to uh, take on that new role as general managers for their Shega marketplace and what is the company all about? Okay, so as I said before, like uh, uh, Jumia is the best learning place that you'll ever learn. Like I think what I learned at Jumia, there is nowhere in the world that someone can actually learn that within a short period of time. Like it is enough learning. It's a very fast-paced environment, quick decision making. Uh, like and I, I got really good managers who were who trusted in me. Like uh, to be given a chance to manage such big things at, at a current at that rate. Like uh, there was a time I was responsible to close to seventy percent of the of the revenue for Jumia. Like uh, it's a very big opportunity, and I really I really learned a lot. Uh, and that being said, that uh, Jumia grew up to be so big, whereby. Any mistakes or repercussions have like any mistakes have a bigger repercussions because of the volumes and everything that you that you're dealing with. So for me, I needed a slower environment but larger scope. So I needed a, a slower environment whereby I can actually practice everything that I learned at Jumia, but at a, at, a, at a smaller scale, at a slower scale. So if you look at the Ethiopian market, it's not as fast-paced as the Kenyan market. So Kifia gave me an opportunity to, to, to run everything. So if you look at my progression, I think I have cut across various roles. I have done a, a little bit of commercial. I have done a little bit of, of operations. My role had a little bit of finance and a little bit of marketing. 
but I wanted to do it now at a big, uh, at a at a larger scale, covering everywhere. So that's why I took the opportunity to actually go to Ethiopia, new market, new challenge, but with a with a very big potential for growth. So Kifia, so talking about Kifia, so Kifia is a is a group of companies so dealing with uh, various things. We are including finance, logistics. ATC, so I'm responsible for the marketplace wing of Kifia, dealing with uh, three main companies. So one of them is uh, what we call Shega, the e-commerce platform, Shega.com, which uh, has been in operation for almost one and a half years now, um, growing at a very fast pace rate. And then I'm also in charge of Shega Jimla, which is our B2B platform, so B2B e-commerce platform, and then in charge of Shega Travel, and then we have what you call Chair Delivery, that's responsible for deliveries across the, the, the ecosystem. So currently, that's what I'm dealing with. And as I said before, Kivia has a various vehicles. So I'm in charge of marketplaces. We have financial solutions. So in financial solution, uh, we are the first company in Ethiopia that is giving uh, non-collateral based uh, loans. That's something that was not happening. And then we also have a payment platform. And then apart from that, uh, we're dealing with the delivery. So it's marketplace delivery and financial services. And I'm responsible for marketplaces. So you've been there for two years now, almost. Um, how has your leadership style and people management style changed because you kind of learned the ropes for leadership in Kenya at Jumia. Um, you are still in the same type of business, but I imagine a totally different team culture. Yeah, so that's one. That was one of my biggest uh, also learning. I said it was kind of a, a mind shift. Right, looking at the work ethics in Kenya, comparing to the work ethics in Ethiopia, like uh, it's completely different. So if you look at Kenyans, Kenyans are quite uh, risk takers, and then a lot of Ethiopians are, are risk averse. So the way they they think uh, yeah, kind of complicates processes, routines, and everything. They think of what can go wrong, and a, a major focus is on on that area. So I got to the point whereby my work as a leader was solving problems for, for my team than actually leading the team to something better, just doing routines to solve new problems and petty problems that were actually coming on every now and then. So what changed in my uh, my leadership style is uh, I think now I, I kind of shift to a little bit of uh, being more more of a micromanager than what I was in Kenya because my leadership style in in Kenya was I give my team a hundred percent trust and then depending on how much you erode that's when I will follow up so coming to Ethiopia like there it uh, I tried that method and then there's a lot of eroding of the trust you're getting to around twenty percent so you need actually to actually follow up but I'm still going back to the management style that I had at Jumia because it worked for me and I built like really good teams, but it needs a lot of work for the team to actually understand the method and how I actually work. So teaching in a lot of ownership, making them more risk takers, etc. And what would you say is uh, at, at this stage of your career, your kind of manager superpower? Because I imagine you've identified the things that you're strong at um, how do how did you identify those? What are they, and and how do you leverage them to you know be the best manager yeah. you can be uh, at Kafia and, and at the Shega marketplace? 
So for me, there are like there are two things. So one of them is identifying talent and and growing people. I think uh, those are my superpowers in terms of being a manager. And the, the advantage of this is like. I create an army. I create people that I can say can actually die for me. And so long as I tell them this is what you are going to do, like it gives me influence and it makes the team achieve the objectives that we can actually set. So this came by back at Jumia. I was given the responsibility of, uh, so I was in charge of the intern program. So I will go during uh, peak events, like for example, Black Friday, I will go out, look for interns. And then they just come and help within the operations. But during that time, I will train them on different skill sets. And then after that, they'll be fitted within position with different positions within uh, within the company. And through that program, I can proudly say, like uh, within the last uh, six years, I'm responsible for around uh, 30 people being employed in Jumia. Some of them are currently senior managers at Jumia. Others have gone off to different places, like. Even just today, I received a text message from one of the people that I had. I've just gotten a position at Bold as one of the key leaders in terms of vendor management. So I can say like people growth was one of my biggest strengths and then identifying and retaining the same target. Because uh, if I look at my time at Jumia, uh, I had the, one of the highest retention rates and some of the people are still still at Jumia. So highest growth and retention rate. And you mentioned early on in our conversation around uh, the challenges with uh, favoritism and then also more, more recently the challenges with adjusting to the new uh, culture now, now that you're based in Ethiopia. Um, would you have any other like leadership challenges that you are still grappling with and how do you go about continually kind of improving upon yourself? Okay, so one of the other challenges, and that's uh, that's what uh, if you if you call if you call any of the people that I've worked with, they will tell you, Chris is too nice. Like uh, even most of my previous managers will say that uh, that I am too nice. So I can actually, it's not actually a challenge, but it depends with the type of team that you actually get. So if you don't get a really you don't get a good team they will try to take advantage of that. If you get a good team, it makes you easily accessible to your team and they're very open to your team. So they're able to tell you their challenges and then you don't get blindsided about what's happening within within your environment. So in Ethiopia, it's becoming a little bit of challenge because uh, it's, a, it's a culture issue. Like most of them are not used to managers leading with this type of style. So it's a little bit of, of a mind shift and something that will take some time, but... That's the management style that I am, I am comfortable with. I have used it before more than once, and it has it has worked for me. So what just changes for me is a lot of, uh, as I said before, a lot of documentation, a lot of performance mon- monitoring, and using tools to identify how the teams are working, and actually giving carrot and stick and giving feedback at a very early stage. And that's what I'm doing currently. And what do you see in terms of trends for? e-commerce and, and marketplaces uh, now that you've uh, held these manager roles across both Kenya and Ethiopia what what are common threads and what are 
are different. So if, if, if I compare, if I was to compare Kenya and Ethiopia, like, so if you're looking at it, uh, Kenya is at least at an advanced stage in terms of e-commerce. I can say around six to seven years ahead in terms of e-commerce, like a lot of customers are buying in e-commerce platforms. Jumia is doing great, Glovo and everyone else is in the market. But in, in Ethiopia, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit new. There's a lot of trust factors, like it's a lot of customer education for them to understand what e-commerce is. So a lot of the sales online are happening through, through social media and specifically they're using Telegram for most of the sales. So what we are doing at Chega is trying to formalize e-commerce direct Telegram and social media sites into, into a bigger platform that is more formalized and, and actually controlled in terms of quality to, to, solve the, the, to solve the trust factor. So trust is a common factor across both Kenya and, uh, and Ethiopia. A lot of consumers are not willing to actually purchase products online before they actually see and pay for products that they're have not seen. So that's a common trend across. So what we are actually doing is uh, we are doing better marketing, better product description, uh, and uh, solving any issues that will give them trust factors, like for example, having cash on delivery, having faster delivery, giving them pickup and uh, like uh, pickup locations close to where they actually are. And those are some of the trends that all e-commerce platforms in Africa are moving on. Like everyone is moving into Q-commerce, like being able to deliver within like 30 minutes and below so that the consumer can get whatever they need at a very early age and then also shifting to a lot of new marketing tools that are that are, have not been used before like we'll be doing a lot of influencers specifically micro influencers because uh, these are people that are working with uh, other people closely and day-to-day life so they're able to be trusted more than the bigger influencers so those those are some of the areas and trends that we're actually focusing on amazing and how do you see your uh, career continuing to grow? Obviously, you had uh, a rapid rise at Jumia, and you're in a general manager role and in a, a new country market, which must uh, be quite exciting and lots of learnings there. How do you continue uh, to think about your career growth and business growth uh, in the coming years? Yeah, so as I said before, like, so for me, this was the opportunity to practice what I learned at Jumia at a, at a smaller scale. So I'll be looking at so my first step is scaling this up, uh, building something similar to Jumia in Ethiopia. So that is my, that's my role. And then after that, now I'll be looking at uh, now building my own, uh, my own company that is dealing with basically anything that creates impact in people's lives and uh, especially using using technology. So even something that I've not told you, as of last week, I was promoted from general manager to the CEO of Shega. So it's already, I'm already growing to, to where I want to be. And then just scaling this up in a very in a bigger scale. And then from there, building something for my own. Well, congratulations on the promotion. That's quite Thank exciting. You. Thank you. Um, it, it's, it strikes me as interesting because uh, in my own career journey, uh, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but I had a similar progression where I grew rapidly within a fast-growing company, and then it got to a certain scale where um, it wasn't a good fit for me, and I wasn't as excited, and I wanted to go kind of start things from a smaller scale again, which is what you mentioned was the initial motivation to moving uh, to Kafia and, and Chega, and now you're almost approaching the same 
scale to some extent as you were in in the previous Jumia role. How do you think about that increased scale and complexity now that you're uh, approaching it the second time around? Is it different uh, or is there still this feeling that you want to now eventually go start a third time from a smaller scale because it's closer to what you thrive at? Look, it's 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 a little it's a little bit different because now it's uh, in terms of in terms of experience. Like, uh, so if you look at uh, the stage that I was at Jumia, even my ambition cannot be compared with the current ambition that that I that I, that I have. When I was at Jumia, like uh, even just the operational complexity was ambitious enough. But now at this scale, um, uh, this what is exciting me is I want I want to change a market. I want to change a culture. Like I want to change lives of people. Like one of the things. I'm looking at Jumia was able to create over 3 million jobs through e-commerce in, in Africa. I want to be able to do something similar to that. When I'm sitting with my grandchildren when I've retired, they can be able to, I can be able to tell them, like, that's something that I I actually did, like leaving a legacy behind. So if you look at those two mindsets are quite different. Like uh, when I was at Jumia, I was just, uh, I want to be a leader. I want to, to be the best in, in what I do. And this, uh, But when I'm looking at this scale is I want to change lives. I want to create impact and something and a legacy that can actually be remembered. So it, it, makes, the, it makes it exciting at a, at a different scale. So at this level, it's completely different. I have a very different experience. Uh, most of the learnings that I took from Jumia I am actually using here. It even makes it faster for me to grow than I actually grew at Jumia and do more things at the same time. And, and how do you know that it's when it will be time to take that leap? Because I totally hear you on, you know, the motivation to create, uh, you know, general generational wealth or creating a legacy for yourself and and uh, and others. Uh, but what, when is the right time? Because uh, I find it interesting that uh, you and I both are not only named Chris, but we graduated yeah. both uh, in 2012 from university. So how do you know, because you know, just a couple of years ago, I ended up uh, leaving kind of a, a management role in an existing company that I you know, helped others scale up. Uh, and then yeah, eventually started my own company. And I had my own reasons, but I'm curious, how will you know when when you're ready to uh, take that leap? So so one of it is, as I told you, I like, I like uh, gr- growing people. So I'll be looking at the people aspect of it. So one of the things that I came here to do is also to grow people and uh, create more people than, than me, better than me and move on. So... The day that I, I will go for leave for more than uh, one week and not receive any phone call or anything, I I know it's ready. Like I know most of my team are working optimally and everything. I've grown en- enough people, so that is uh, one part. And then the day that uh, I will feel like uh, when I'm going to work, there is there is nothing extra that I'm actually I'm actually adding to the company. At that stage, I think uh, I will have done. And I'm not saying just not adding something extra. I like uh, I'm not adding something extra, but the company is doing well. If the company is not doing well, it means there is something I can do to make it do do better. But if I'm not adding anything extra and the company is still performing and growing uh, at a, at a good rate, I think that's the 
that's the point that I will have known that uh, I have done what I'm supposed to do and then move on to, to another challenge. Amazing. That sounds like a perfect way to uh, make your, your next decision. Uh, well, Chris, it's been great to hear you reflect on uh, your exciting journey so far. I know it's just the beginning of your leadership journey and there will be a legacy uh, to be made even beyond what uh, you've done already uh, in Kenya and Ethiopia. So thank you so much uh, for sharing and for your time today. And I look forward to uh, following you on your journey to come. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It was quite an interesting conversation, like made me reflect a lot about my journey. Like a lot of us do not take time to think about how we have grown until someone else looks at it from outside and goes through it. Uh, it actually makes me feel proud of what I have achieved so far. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks, Chris. Okay, Bye. Thanks. Bye.